Welcome to the Sports Porch on American Buzzker iHeartRadio. There we are, and it looks like Mark is no longer with us. <laughs> <laughs> we come on live in Mark Lee. Schwaber, where are you? Where did you go? He wants to make there it real. There he is. There he is. Oh, I was I was going to ask you if Neil was going to partake. Awesome. Excellent. Well, listen, guys, welcome to the Sports Porch on Pittsburgh Beautiful. We're so glad you're here. We have so much to talk about tonight. I want to remind you, we are on uh, Pittsburgh Beautiful on Facebook. We are also on the Sports Porch on Facebook. We also are live on YouTube, live on Twitter, on both Pittsburgh Beautiful and the Sports Porch. And um, as I said in the title, uh, it's a sad day for Pittsburgh hockey. Um, I've actually made Steve kind of mad because, um, you know, He doesn't like this graphic right here. He doesn't like it. He doesn't like it. But as we all know, you know, you know why I have an aversion to that. I have to just step in here. Every freaking Capitals fan on Twitter uses that whenever they beat us. Every Ah. Caps fan. And I, I'm not going to use the F word so early in the broadcast. But let me just say that it's not a graphic that I enjoy for that reason. Sorry, I just had to express. And it's you know, very sad. It's, it's like a nice, uh, sweet little penguin uh, has run. Yeah, into I some mean, trouble. yeah, I mean, I actually makes me kind of feel sad. You know, that yeah. poor thing got stabbed yeah. in the back with a hockey stick. Yeah. See, yeah. when I see it, I, I think a Caps fan just did that and just stabbed the penguin right in the heart. I feel like. The well, it penguin, wasn't a Caps fan this time. It was the penguin uh, a Rangers fan. What'd you say, Schwaber? Penguin was bullied, and the it's penguin sad. was bullied. Yep, yep. We need a Supreme Court hearing on this right now. Okay, guys. So uh, <laughs> look, let's start with you, Steve. Obviously, uh, overtime loss last night to the Rangers. The the what we thought was the impossible, or maybe not impossible, but improbable happened. They lost three in a row after taking a three to one lead. Um, we could speculate all you want, and we're all going to have our reasons. But let's start with you. Why did the Penguins lose that game, and 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 what's going to happen? Well, the whole series, the Rangers showed resilience in every game that they won. I mean, the Pens were up by the Pens were up by two goals in two of those games and lost both of them. They they had a one goal lead in both the second and the third period in game seven and still lost it. So I think the, the, and that's the reason they lost it. I mean, literally this series was a coin flip series and you know, there's one in every, there's one in every, every Stanley cup champion goes through a coin flip series. I mean, even when the penguins won, they've always had to go to seven games in one of the series to win the Stanley cup. It's true. I looked it up. You don't need to. And, um, <laughs> and, uh, and this was their series. This was the one they, they needed to score in overtime. And, and honestly, I think the reason, the reason why they lost was they play a style that demands they just play, go out and play their game. They don't turn it off and they don't have a plan for when they have the lead. And that is a problem. And I think that's been their problem this year just this year i mean if you look at the if you look at the three other exits in the first round clearly losing to the canadians in a play-in series was by far the worst but we also lost to the new york islanders in four straight games and then the islanders again four to two so um so it's just been the last 
the last four years have just been miserable from a first round perspective. But of the last four, this one was probably the best, but it's still the same result. And when whenever you're out, it just stings so much. And honest, honestly, watching, I, I I hate watching game sevens when it's your team. It's impossible not to get stressed out. It's just impossible not to get stressed out. Even watching, like, so what? There were five of the eight games were seven game series in the first round in, in the NHL first round. Right. Yeah. They were all just wild and crazy. They, there wasn't one that was like, okay, this is a blowout. <laughs> so I think, uh, I think from that standpoint, the NHL is, is, is two thumbs up to ESPN. I think they're doing a really good job getting these, uh, getting these shows out there, getting these games out there. But um, I think the hockey has been great, um, but the result for the Penguins just awful. And I think that's why they lost the series. They just, they just didn't. They they didn't change their style of play. If they would have, I think, I even in the game they won, they won seven to four. Right? They had a four nothing lead and almost blew a four nothing lead. It it to me they got to change their style. And it doesn't matter what I think because the reality is is in this off season because they've got new ownership. You're going to see a wholesale change in the front office. I think probably um, Hextall is going to go. I think. Um, Burke's going to go. I think they're going to start with those two guys and then they're going to bring in new management and they're going to make a decision on Sully. I, I really hope Sully stays, to be honest with you. I think he's, I think he's a great coach, but he's got to recognize that his style needs to adapt when they have the lead. And especially when they have a two goal lead, they need to stop playing their game and start playing more of a trap type system. They right. just don't, they just don't have the players to be able to do that for 60 minutes. They're well, not let, me, let me st- let me stop you right there, Steve. I want to hear I want to hear Mark's take on this before I give you guys my opinion. So, you know, the question is, why did the Pens lose this series? Schwaber, you, you what, what's your take? Not not being a lifelong Penguins fan, being a hockey fan, um, and and being able to be a little bit more objective about this. Well, you know, there, there, I think there was good and bad both in this series. Uh, the good was that they were severely undermanned, um, especially from uh, a goaltending perspective. Um, and they really overcame that, you know, to push to overtime of a seventh game. Um, at the same time, the fact that they did overcome so much, taking a 3-1 series lead, um, Really, if I was a fan of the Penguins, I would feel pretty demoralized because, you know, you you have the series in hand and they allowed the Rangers to get back in it, you know, especially game six with the uh, stupid penalty. Um, And and really, that's what I was thinking myself to Steve in the game last night. You know, basically, I, I think the Rangers scored to tie it up with maybe like 525 left in the game, something like that. 614, I mean, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm sitting here thinking like, okay, last 10 minutes of the game, this should be a trap, you know, trap style, nothing gets through. And they, they just really didn't do that. And maybe you're right. Maybe they don't really have the personnel to do that. But, um, you know, I, I just felt like they, they gave the Rangers too many opportunities and with the skill that they have, you know, a couple guys, um, you know, put some shots through. You know, if you keep giving them opportunities, it's going to come back to bite you. Well, actually, I, I, the, the, the Pens, the pens outshot the Rangers dramatically, but the, the, the reality is your, your, your thoughts are right on. They scored – when they had the right opportunity, like they always, they went on a two on the only time they didn't was that one breakaway. <laughs> they had a breakaway where, where, uh, where Jari would stone them, but that was it. All the other ones they buried, they were always on the left side and the Rangers are really good. They, they, they recognized where they needed to shoot it on Jari and they did it. And, 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 and they got the job done and that's what the Penguins didn't do. So yeah, it is, it was frustrating from a Penguin standpoint, a fan standpoint to, to watch that melt away, but you weren't surprised. I mean, and, and unfortunately you weren't surprised because you knew they weren't locking it down. You could just tell like the Rangers were going to get their chances. And, yeah. um, 
and and they buried them, and they buried no. them every time. The Rangers no. team is a very resilient team. I, I I have to give it to them. I mean, it's not like they lost to like the Islanders or even the Canadians from 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 the years before. This team's a much better team, and they played them much better. But the results are the same. So when the results are the same, you got to change something. No, no. What so, do you think about this now, Tristan Jari? Uh, Really, he played fine. I mean, I, I don't think it was his fault that they lost this game. But at the same time, I, from the very beginning, I didn't like the call. I mean, even though he is a way better goaltender uh, than Domingue or whatever his name is. Yep, um, bottom line is, I, I just felt like, you know what, Domingue was playing fine. I mean, you're 3-3. You're three, three, um, and, you know, he's in the flow. I mean, I don't know. You just put a guy out there who hasn't been facing shots for a month and, uh, you know, maybe that's him just not being at his sharpest. I, I didn't like that call in game seven, even though no, I don't dude. think it was a loss. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, but I think you're wrong there just because Deming had a goals against of like 3.25 or something like that. It, it was awful. I mean, you knew like that last goal that he gave up in, in game six. Come on. That was pathetic. It bounces off his blocker over his head and into the goal. I mean, right there. I mean, actually, they said that Jari probably could have played game six. I mean, we don't really know because they never disclose injuries. But, I mean, he was he was, he was was cleared to play. And I don't, I don't understand why they didn't play Jari in game six because then if he doesn't do well, then you're like, okay, he got that bad game out of him. He'll rebound and, you know, be, be better in game seven. You are right in the sense that bringing a guy in and hasn't played in a month is really tough on the goalie. But – you are also right in the sense that he didn't lose the game for them. He wasn't the reason they yeah. lost the game. Right. I, I call I call that a push. I mean, you were you were damned if you do, damned if you don't. Um, but you know, you had so many things going against Jari and that he was rusty and he had an injury. But at the same time, you know, Deming is not a champion championship caliber goalie. So that was a big call by Sullivan. Um, you know, I call it a push. He gave up three, he gave up four goals, one of them in overtime. I don't know that Deming, even had he been standing on his head, would have played any better than that. I, I think what it comes down to is uh, injuries in this series. I mean, you had Raquel that didn't play until the last game uh, or the game before. And, and Sydney, they took him out of game six, and that made all the difference in the world. And when the when you know when the Rangers knew that they had taken Sydney out and they got inside the Pens' head again, I think they knew that this game was going to be theirs. Now I didn't expect it to go to overtime. I thought that if the Pens could jump out to a two to nothing or three to nothing, it's a big lead that they could have that game. But that they didn't. They were playing catch up the whole time. And it went into overtime. And I, I think it comes down to a couple things Steve said. But the bottom line is injuries. Had everybody been healthy going into this series, I think it would have been a totally different a totally different game. Um, and it, it, it might have very well uh, been the Pens in six or even the Pens in five. Because when the Pens took that 3-1 lead, they had complete command over the Rangers. And they blew you, you know what? You know what, though? One, one thing I think is interesting on that comment is I was listening to these guys on Pittsburgh radio when uh, the Pens were up three games to one, and they were really, you know, being very um, – talking very favorably about the team and all that they've overcome. And one of the remarks that was made was, you know, if they were down three to one, we would be saying – well, because they don't have Tristan Jari and because so-and-so is hurt, because so-and-so is hurt. But they overcame. And and what's what's disappointing is that they weren't able to overcome for just one more game with three cracks at it. Yeah. Yep. In Palmetto, um, injury penalties. But is yep. this it? It's excuse time right now. Or is well, it just I mean, any, anytime you lose, anytime you go up three to one in a seven game series and then you lose three in a row and you basically cough it up. I mean, there's going to be reasons. You can call them excuses. You can call them reasons. You can call them whatever you want. But the point is, I think they all play in. They all play into that. Now, of course, Richard's here and he wants us to talk about that big Pirates win. Maybe. 
maybe we'll talk about that. We'll tease you on that one. Um, so, you know, real quick, what does the future hold? I mean, there's all kinds of talk about, is it the end of an era? I saw that highlight, uh, that headline on, on some, uh, ridiculous article on the internet. Is this the end of an era? Um, what era? I mean, I, I know what they're referring to, but you know, the pens have exited the playoffs in the first round, the last few years, it, it's been a while since they won a cup in, in, in penguins time. And, uh, you know, what, what, what is that? What is, what does that mean? You know, and, and, you know, my thoughts on, on Pittsburgh sports fans, especially Steelers and Penguins. I mean, they, you're, you're spoiled. I mean, no, you don't win the cup or the trophy or, or, or the Super Bowl every year, but you know, you're always close. You're always in it as opposed to some of our other less favorite teams. Um, like Tim says, bye-bye Malkin. You know, I, I think that's going to happen, to be honest with yeah, you. Yeah, I, I, I think he's going Malkin, Malkin is just a – he's one of those guys that he's not worth it anymore because of his – he's always injured. I'm not yeah. saying he has less skill, but he pre, maybe he's lost a step or He's lost like a step, that. yep. But the bottom line is he, he he's such a painful player to watch, actually, because he's got all this skill <laughs> – he makes a he makes a lot of stupid mistakes. I mean, he's, you know, you know, if you get under Malkin's skin, he's going to be in the penalty box, um, and he's not giving you enough um, offensively in return because he's not on the ice half the time. I think it's time for him to go. Send him back to Russia with Putin. <laughs> oh my gosh! <laughs> wow, that escalated to a place I didn't see. Yeah. Coming. Wow. Zero to sixty in under three seconds. Well, what do you think, Steve? Two things I have to say. Um, end of an era. The era is the Malkin, Latang, Crosby era. I mean, right. it's it's the, these three guys have played together for the longest of anybody who's played in the NHL in in this era, and that's that's saying something. I mean, that's a very long time for three guys to play together. So so really, what you have to do is you have to decide: is it time to is is this big three? done and i think they are i think they are I, I i would i personally think that malkin would be the first one to go um but the problem is you know he's a free agent so what are you going to do you're just going to let him walk away one of your best players you're just going to let walk away for no no compensation that that's what really hurts you know when it comes down to it uh for the penguins it's not that that malkin's going away because i agree he is the shell of his former self. He's another guy who will not change his game. He still thinks he can dance around six or seven people, dangle, slap shot it in, spin a and do all these great things. He can't do any of that now. And and I know that's got to be hard for a superstar to recognize that that's just not who he is anymore. Um, so, so I think it's better he figures that out on another team personally. Um, I, I actually think he'll probably do well on some other teams. Like you don't think that Tampa Bay will pick him up maybe, or Florida Panthers could use, uh, uh, Evgeny Malkin. I think they could, I think, and I think he'll probably find a home and probably make more than he's making now, at least for a couple of years. Um, but I think the Penguins need to just do it all over. The question is, is what do you do with Latang? I mean, if you get rid of Latang and all his minutes, there's nobody who's going to replace that. I'm going to have to look in the offseason to see who the free agents are out there, who they could uh, possibly, you know, um, maybe go out and get. I think Klingberg, um, uh, Dallas uh, defenseman, is a free agent this year, but they're going to pay they're going to pay 10 million, 11 million for him. But he's a much younger version of uh, of the old Chris Letang. So, um, and then of course you got the the 50 million dollar question. What does Sydney feel about it? You know, how does Sydney feel about not playing with his buddies anymore? And um, how is that going to affect his game next year? Personally, yeah. as far as the Penguins go, I mean, I, you re I really shouldn't care a lick about what what uh, what Crosby thinks because really it's about the Penguins. It's not about Sidney Crosby. He's not the general manager. He's just a player, but he's so special. It's really hard for me to decouple the emotion I I get when I think about Sydney, you know, not being happy and not playing in Pittsburgh. Um, clearly, he still had it. And clearly, Jake Gensel's a superstar. 
I mean, eight goals in a series, just incredible. That's only happened, uh, I think, two other times in Penguins playoff history, and the names are Crosby and Lemieux. So uh, clearly, clearly Jake Gensel's uh, a top-notch talent. Before you would say, you know, he's just a water boy for Sydney. I don't think you can say that anymore after this series. I know they lost, but um, uh, Gensel, that goal he scored, who thinks of kicking it off their skate up in the air, batting it into the goal? And I know Rangers fans will say, oh, that wasn't a goal. It was over the crossbar. Hey, F you. It was a goal if they don't call it out because uh, it, it was just incredible talent. And and for a guy to think like for a guy to think like that on the fly shows you know his creativity and being able to score goals. So yeah. um, so but yeah, it's a it's going to be a wild off season. You know, batting down your hatches. Now that all this quarterback controversy is over with the Steelers, we're going to see some wild stuff happening uh, happening with uh, with the Penguins this off season. So, and there um, you go. You were just waiting on. for that yeah. comment, Yo, Carrie. Yo, Carrie, got to got to take mean? out sign. That that's, that signs that's a hurricane. hurricane. That's a hurricane. Oh, Kansas Carolina Hurricanes. Hurricanes. Okay. Where have you been, Schwab? Oh, I mean, I know you had to take. Uh, I, I know, well, okay. Well, I didn't know that hurricanes were red, but I know that I know what we, I know. Yeah. Well, he doesn't do the red because you know it's the blue hurricanes. All right, all right. So, real quick, uh, before we move on to our next topic. Um, you know, give us a brief synopsis. Who's who's left? I I do think it's great for uh, public relations with the NFL or ratings, if you will. Um, that that they had a lot of series that went to Game Seven. Uh, there's definitely seems to be a little bit more buzz about hockey this year, just in the general media, than there has been. Um, and maybe we're on a little bit of a ratings rise for the NHL, which I think would be I think would be good. I, I, I find it to be enjoyable. I actually watched a little bit more of it this year than I have in the past. So um, what's next? Where, where do you see this going? Um, the NHL or the Penguins? Well, not the Penguins. We've addressed that in, in general, uh, the playoffs. Who, who do oh, you see making it through so now? Oh, this is this is really easy for me. So I went six and two in the first round. The only two that I missed, I I took the Kings uh, over the Oilers. Um, actually, almost happened, which would have been incredible. Everybody would have called me a god and said you're incredible. Who who but thought you the mean they don't right? already? Well, I mean, you yeah. not a god. no, no, yeah. everybody, everybody would, not just most people. <laughs> 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 and, okay, uh, and, and I also took uh, Toronto. I should have known not to take Toronto, but I really thought yeah. that Austin Matthews was going to get past Tampa Bay, and they blew it too. I mean, you know, talk about a franchise that has bad mm -hmm. luck in Game Sevens. So, oh my God, you think they the do. Penguins are bad? This was our first Game Seven road loss ever in in franchise history. I think I think uh, Toronto does it every other year. So, I mean, oh my God, that team is just. In, in turmoil. So anyway, so what happens next? Um, I think Calgary sneaks past uh, St. Louis, and I think you got the Avs. Oh, no, Avs play against St. Louis. My apologies. And then you got the Battle of Alberta with uh, with the oil and uh, the Flames. I, I like the Flames and the Avalanche. You're one and your two teams meeting in the uh, Western Conference Finals. Uh, and in and the Eastern Conference, I don't know – that Yo Carey's going to like this, but I think the Rangers are going to take out Carolina Hurricanes. I, I just think that now that Shisirkin got his bad series out of the way, he's just going to be incredible in the in the second in the Igor. second series. I think Igor is going to start to dominate like the Vezina Trophy winner he is about to be. And um, I like. I think the hardest one to pick is the Florida Panthers versus the Tampa Bay Lightning. I know you don't pick against the Tampa Bay Lightning, but that series is going to be an absolute bloodbath. If you like old-time hockey, watch that, because they're just going to kill each other. They are literally going to kill each other. I think, you know, that picture you had up of the Penguin, I think you're going to literally see sticks sticking out of players in that series. It's just going to be, it's just going to be ridiculously violent. So, uh, but I think... I think I don't know. I'm just going to go with my gut. I think Florida. I think Florida uh, is going to do it, but I have no faith in Bobrovsky. I think. I think. I think Bobrovsky is garbage, but 
I think uh, I, I still think they're going to get past the Tampa Bay Lightning. But, man, how can you go against Vasilevsky? That guy is just one of the best hockey goalies of all time. He really Let is amazing. Let me bust in here for a second. I want to say hi to Madison, my sweetheart niece. And uh, I'm sure that means Wendy and Chris are watching. So glad to have you guys uh, on the show. It's a family um, affair. It's a family affair. I'm going to make this real short and sweet. Um, I'm going Claude Giroux, putting the Florida Panthers over the top, getting that, that Philly connection on his belt. Florida Panthers over the Avalanche in six. He All did right, it in the first series. He did it in he the did. first series. He did. He had the big he, goals. He, yep. He yep. was the reason they did it. So there's no reason to think he's not going to keep it going. I mean, once you get out of once you get out of Philly, man, you know you're <laughs> going to win a Stanley Cup. I mean, that's just the way it works. Just yeah, ask where yeah. you pocket. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, this I is love what it. happens. This is what happens. I love it. All right, so, I want yeah, to take that's, a- where I, that's where I see the NHL going. Uh, I think that. I, by the way, if you're not watching hockey now, just don't even bother watching because it's just it's just great hockey right now. It's just it's just fantastic hockey. The back and forth, the 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 close games, the game sevens. Ah, uh, it's just so much fun to watch. You don't need to sleep anymore. Just watch hockey. And Mike's hoping for the Panth- Panthers and the Avs. And uh, Amy wants to make sure that we all know another Schwab is here as well. It's nice to know that the Schwabs make up a full 30% of our viewing audience right now. Um, (laughs) And from now on, Steve will be known as the Hockey Jesus. I've decided we have anointed you Hockey Jesus. Um, Before we move on to our next segment, uh, it would be uh, very bad of me not to mention that I want to thank our sponsor, my beautiful wife, Lauren Klein, the Pittsburgh property diva for all the support she gives Pittsburgh beautiful in our show. Um, thank you, darling. And if you want to buy or sell a house in Pittsburgh, you know who to call. And hey, Chris, um, uh, Chris, by the yeah. way, um, I'm taking over uh, the sponsorship dollars. So just tell her to write out a check to me. Uh, and then I will- <laughs> Then the three of us will decide together what what to put that money towards, okay? All right. That's a good idea, Schwaber. I'll get right on that. Mean Girl (laughs) Hockey is predicting a Canadian team in the World Cup final, sounds like. Uh, that's what no, that means. That's probably I'm... Western Western Conference. Western final, Conference final, which yeah, that's is how... a no brainer because you have two Canadian teams playing. Yeah, against <laughs> there you go. There that's you go. That's a bold prediction, but I think it's going to come true. Okay, right. so we want to move. We want. I want to. I want to move. Let's go to football. Yeah, I know. I was just about to go there. I want to move on to something that seems to be. This seems to be a recurring theme in Pittsburgh, especially when it comes to the Pittsburgh Steelers and quarterbacks. Uh, Big Ben, bad blood. Of course, there was an article that came out. Uh, I'm going to sh- I'm going to share it on my screen here, real quick. Um, and whoops. Well, that's not the one I wanted to show. That's the one that's coming next. So I'll I'll pull that out. There, there was an article that came out on um, online uh, from Jerry Dulac uh, talking about animosity between the Steelers and Ben Roethlisberger following his retirement. And um, you know, I I I got to tell you, I I don't really buy into that at all. I think that it's. Um, you know, just a, a little bit of let's let's get eyes on this. You know, let's uh, there we go. There it is. You know, this is this is another thing. Let's generate clicks. I I don't. I personally, honestly, don't believe a word of this. Um, and that's just me. That's my opinion. I think Ben went out when Ben had to go out. Maybe last year there was a little bit of tension. There's always going to be tension when you have something like this happening. Um, I, I I don't know. What do you What do you guys think? Well, hey, before before we break into this, I just want to let our, our listening audience know that we do have an opening for an IT director. Um, <laughs> no, somebody, no. We're looking it's for producer. somebody to get stuff on the screen at the right time. Producer. <laughs> for the position. Technical uh, director, producer. IT is already taken. We filled that slot. Okay. Uh, so, but well, thanks for that. Did, we'll we'll did be we taking really, applications. Did we really? I don't think we voted on that one. Yeah, I tend to well, agree 
I tend to agree with you, Chris. <laughs> I, I do think it's really a, a bunch about nothing. Uh, you know, really to write this story, all that means is if he talked to Ben Roethlisberger at the three-quarter point of the season and he said, I'm, I'm thinking of maybe coming back next year, that's like all you really need to make this a story, you know? Right. Um, so I, 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 I kind of doubt it. I don't know how well Jerry Dulak, uh, I don't know what kind of reputation he has. Maybe, Steve, do you know, like, do people tend to think his reports are on point or not? Yeah, he's 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 an he's a he's a Steeler insider. He knows he's an insider. The, yeah, the guys, the absolutely like if if he's saying it, there's definitely some truth to it, a hundred percent truth to what he's saying. But you know, here's my problem with this story: every superstar never wants to quit. At some point, their employer says you've you're done. Like. That's it. Like we can't employ you anymore. We have to move on. And this happens to everybody. Like even the, even the, even the jabronis who don't even know how to play football anymore. Like they have to tell them your time here is done. So I don't think this is a new story. I just think because it's Ben and because they do have some past history with Paul Amalu, you know, not ending well, I think, you know, people like to start doing, get ready, Klein, the conspiracy theories. I think they they really think that, like, there's something about the fact that Ben really wanted to come back and the Steelers are preventing him from coming back. Dude, everybody watched Ben play last year. He was done. He was done. The guy couldn't throw the deep ball anymore. He needed to retire. Now, if he wanted to play, he could have went and played. He could still play for somebody else, probably. There are plenty yeah, probably of, the probably the Redskins. Teams, there are plenty of teams out there that would have taken a Ben Roethlisberger. Hell, I think that I think the Tennessee Titans still would take him yeah. because he's 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 clearly at least as good as what's his face, and and he'll win fourth quarter game. Yeah. Right. So, well, I mean, so, you know, you know Kerry saying he don't need to come back. Well, we're not talking about him coming back. Right. No. And I don't, I don't, I think he probably didn't want to come back, but it's like I said, superstars never want to quit. They're not quitters. They've, they've been doing this their whole life, but the time has come. It's time to move on. I'm glad he's retiring as a Steeler. And let's just get past this. We got enough. We got enough quarterbacks to talk about, let alone one that's retired and and the bad blood with the Steeler organization. Steeler organization, I think, is finally getting themselves turned around, getting away from the social media misfits that they've had, and now are 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 really starting to draft a team full of football players. Let's see if that translates in the off season. But um, I'm I'm optimistic that they're going in the right direction. So <laughs> Bree says he's coming back. Yeah, that's hilarious. yeah. I mean, if that's true, uh, I'm not interested. But well, he um, got canned. That's why he doesn't have his yeah. money now from uh, yeah. NBC or whoever hired him, ESPN. And he didn't uh, save any of that money he pops. made. Oh, he's got plenty of money. Trust <laughs> yeah. me. There's yeah. some talk about the Seahawks possibly. Bree okay. so Breeze? Oh, yeah. come on, sure. please. Can we just move on they're, to the next generation of QBs? Why not? You know, I, I think I think the Steelers. Um, really, I think we have moved on to the next generation of QBs. It's just yeah. this past generation doesn't want to let go of it. They're hanging on, right? A la Tom Brady, and and you well, know, I mean, I, Tom Brady's an exception to the rule because he's such a phenom, and he's taking genetic drugs that you can't possibly detect, but will be able to detect in ten years, and then we'll know <laughs> okay, what really okay. happened. Hold on, hold on, hold on. For one, for. For one brief moment, I actually was just astounded and amazed yeah. that I heard a positive sentence out of Steve's mouth about Tom Brady. But then I was brought right back to reality with the whole genetic drugs you can't detect. Uh, you have to listen to the full sentence. I mean, Steve, this is, this, is, this is the conspiracy theory show now. That's Dude, what it is. This, this, I promise you. Ten years after he retires, you're going to find out some wild ass shit about him and drugs. I promise. Yeah. What do you guys really what do you guys think about the three hundred and fifty million dollar sports commentator salary 
before he's even ready to start. What's up with that? I say good for him, man. Capitalism is the finest. I mean, you know what Amy, my wife Amy said to me, she's like, you know, one thing about Tom Brady is like, I don't want to, I don't want to watch him talk. I mean, I'm tired of watching him play football. I'm just, I'd rather watch him. I'd rather watch him shirtless with a bottle of perfume or cologne (laughs) (laughs) surfing or something like that. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, But I put down there is TB12, the next John Madden, who knows? Um, Honestly, who knows? I mean, who knows? And, and yeah, I, that contract to me was ridiculous. Uh, yeah, you want to say it? You, you want to say it smacks of desperation on on the point on on the part of of you know like Fox Sports or or whoever would have signed him, but it was Fox. But it's kind of like their ratings are through the roof anyway. Do they really have to spend three? <laughs> I, I happen to like Romo. But I like he, Romo they, too. I'm surprised yeah. Joe Carey doesn't yeah. like Romo. He's well, a little you know soft Actually, around the edges, though. Everybody, everybody liked Romo to start, but this past year, a lot of people went went negative on Romo. That's they just true. Got tired. They got tired of his style. Here's an interesting thought. I think Mike's got a good idea here. Yeah, here's an interesting thought. So you know, the Steelers organization is as uh, bad enough. Romo, never mind Brady. The Steelers organization has moved on, and I think that's the point. You know, they, it, it's obvious. I mean, there's not going to be a comeback of Ben Roethlisberger. He's not even thinking about it. Um, and the point is, you know, at any time when you have, to your point, Steve, directly, when you have a superstar, a Hall of Famer, who's who's arguably one of the best, who's performed at a high level and, and made a name for himself and a legend for himself with a franchise like the Steelers, especially um, those last couple years. They're going to be tough because there's there there were calls for the last three years he was playing from fans everywhere saying you know it's time for him to retire we need to move on when they drafted Mason Rudolph he wasn't happy with that I mean yeah these are all the stories that keep the media running back and forth and back and forth and the the, the bottom line is to use a, a phrase that Schwaber loves the bottom line is he retired and he retired when he chose to retire and whether or not there was tension. Hey, there's tension in my household when I don't mow the lawn for a week. Of course. Why is it a story now? Who cares? You know what I mean? Who cares? Yeah, so we, we I, know I don't what know you if you're. Yeah, we, we know, we know, you know about your lawn is awful. Your lawn <laughs> is terrible. You should see it now. If you guys would come back to the Monroeville porch, you'd be very impressed. Well, but wait. I, after I you put out 76 bags of mulch, yeah, it might be yeah, for, okay. for the viewing audience at home, we have to walk up a hill to get to the actual <laughs> porch. And sometimes we're going through knee-high grass. I mean, it's yeah. it's rough yeah. over there. Yeah. And there are, like spots. there are like spots where it's empty. It's like knee-high yeah. grass, empty spots. It's well, like that's grass. where the dogs pee. I, I have you guys walk up through the dog pee to the porch. Kind of puts you in is, your place. The lawn, the lawn is pathetic. I mean, that's that's a legitimate beat. You guys yeah. are breaking my heart, and I'm in charge, so we're moving on. Any thoughts Any thoughts from rookie camp? Um, you know, the, here's the other thing I think is ridiculous, talking about rookie camp. The entire highlight of rookie camp, I, I, I got to get this in here. Uh, Amy says, hire a goat. I'm not sure what you pay. It goat but i get the point so uh the the entire the entire rookie camp mini camp to me seemed to be wrapped around how big are kenny pickett's hands you know they 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 they, they don't look that small they can grip you want to know what who in god's name cares no you know what they're going to start talking about next with kenny pickett his gloves he always wears gloves. Yeah. Why does he always wear gloves? Why does he have to wear gloves? What size are the gloves? Why are, are they too grippy? Is it, how what what brand are yeah. they? What color yeah. are they? Like this is what's coming. This is what's coming. This is what yeah. happens when you feed a quarterback controversy. But thank you, DG. Thing- D- wait a minute, DG's in the house. Thank you, DG. I'm going to send a few <laughs> bags down to you down there. No, uh, Palm Beach Gardens because mulch is so popular in Florida. Anyway. Well, <laughs> I, I, the, the one the one thing that I liked about rookie camp was seeing, you know, seeing the rookie wide receivers out there and pick it. It gives me hope that now we have a different future that hopefully is brighter. I mean, today it's brighter because we've never seen these guys on the field. But I, I always like I always like it when, you, you know, your draft picks are out there together and they seem like they're getting some uh, 
getting some synergies together. So we'll see how it happens, but much too early to tell. But uh, that would be my take from rookie camp. Rookie camp. Yeah, yeah. By the way, my is take rookie is... camp uh, mandatory or um, do they not have to go? I, I, I can't answer that, but I would guess it's mandatory. Yeah. I, I think it's actually not mandatory, but, you know, it's sort of mandatory with a wing. By yeah, the way, we're, exactly. I'm about to get really rained on, so don't worry. If I if I get carried away, I'll be back at some point. I promise. We we don't worry about you ever, Steve, unless you're on a camping trip. Mm, I got that's it. This in. weekend, that's this weekend. You should worry. Yeah. Let's give the uh, let's give the the pirates uh, two two seconds of love for actually winning a baseball game without making a hit. Um, yes. you, know what's, you know what's even more crazy about that when i heard that i i was sure that was the first time it's ever happened no it's happened five other times yeah that's that's unbelievable to me like most recently is like 2008 or something like that like pretty recent yeah, yeah. so that's what the i don't even know what to do. go ahead that's what the pirates are sort of resorting to now Basically saying to the fans, hey, look, we don't even need to get a hit to win. <laughs> <laughs> it is apparently trickery. they don't. Hey, listen, apparently they don't need starting pitchers either to pitch more than three or four innings. I, you know, I've been meaning to bring this up. Um, they did get a starting pitcher that got a win like last week. Yeah. Right. Well, you know, we've talked that we've we've talked about that and we'll do our little buckos thing right here. But. We've talked about that, but one of the things that I didn't realize, and I started listening a little bit more, was that the, the the you know Derek Shelton said they're on this plan where they they you know just about anybody can start at any time, like the hot hand, and the starters are going to pitch three or four innings, and then they're going to turn it over, and you know his whole thing was we're gathering analytics on this, and I'm like analytics on what on how to lose? I mean. You're telling me that if you had a number one and a solid number one and a solid number two, because a good rotation, you got your ace, you got your number two guy who could be an ace on a lesser team, but maybe will become an ace. Then you got your three guy who's your innings eater. And then you got your junk pretty much after that. You hope that they're better than everybody else's junk. And I'm going to be sorry that I use the word junk on this on this broadcast i know that at some point but the point is uh, to me that sounds insane that sounds like you're taking analytics like right off the highest cliff possible Schwab, i, I, I want to hear your thoughts on this terrible. i think anytime you mess with a band's junk you're gonna have problems like i said <laughs> like i said so schwaber you said it's terrible is that all you have to say about that it's terrible well well, basically what that is, is uh, they, they call that a, a bullpen game. Right. Uh, to me, a bullpen game basically means you don't have a fifth starter. So really what the Pirates are saying, if they're doing that every game, they're saying they don't have any starters at all. They don't. But yeah. I mean, right. at, least they're, at least they're honest this time. Right. You know? Right. Because they you don't. Know what, analytics is, is just – horrible for the game of baseball i can't stand it you know what watch watching the phillies right uh bryce harper was just named player of the week all right and he did so without playing on sunday why did he not play sunday just because you know let's give him a rest you know analytic day rest every so often and you know my feeling is you got the hottest hitter in baseball Let's take him out of the lineup and let's cool him off ourselves. Yeah, right. Yeah. It's, As it's analytics just, say so, right? <laughs> yeah, it's just so stupid. Or or like when they take out a pitcher, you know, maybe they've had maybe they've thrown 82 pitches and it's in the seventh inning and there's mm -hmm. two outs and nobody on base. Let's take them out right now because of what the pitch count says. Yeah. You know? yeah. In the middle of a batter, right? It's like right, right. analytics say take him out when he gets to 97. It's 97. Get him out of there. I don't care if it's 0 and 2. Right. And, and, and if you think I, I was gonna say, actually, you know what? I, I saw the Phillies lose a game based on analytics uh yesterday. 
because, you know, the analytics always have to do with where the fielder's playing, right? And there was oh, a ground right. between first and second base that should have just resulted in a, a single. But because the right fielder was practically in center field, because of analytics, they ended up losing the game. <laughs> you know, so it's just, I don't know, that the whole thing just – I, I don't understand why you, why you have to recreate the game. The game has been around forever, and you know what? It's usually won the same way all the time. You yeah. know? Yeah. You, yeah. you could be different. Like in football, sometimes it's a running team. Sometimes it's a passing team. It's more often a passing team now. But could a running team win? Sure. You know? It, it yeah. just, you know, it there's a lot but of even ways. even even in football right now, analytics is playing into it with the with the two point conversion, with the going for it on fourth down. You know, they're mm-hmm. they're starting to pull these analytics in, and they're playing they're playing the. Um, uh, this was my my favorite class in high school, is Steve or not high school in, in college, as Steve can attest to. They're playing the statistics game. And I was never good at statistics, but what I was good at is convincing people to take statistics exams for me. <laughs> right. That's part of statistics. You knew you had 0% chance of passing. Oh, and, right. And, and, and you had about a 50-50 shot of passing in a class that you didn't take. So I took the over on that and I won. Thank you, you so won. much. Plus yeah, and we're still friends. That's Plus right. 100. Plus one hundred. So, so yeah. I, I'm look. I'm I'm with you guys. But you know, we're everything changes. We we are now. Believe it or not, we are now considered old school. But you're right, Schwaber. Um, the the game. The the basic fundamentals of baseball are the same. You pitch the ball. You hit the ball. You catch the ball. Okay. And you got nine fielders. Um, I actually happen to think the game was as perfect as it's going to be before analytics. And I think analytics have destroyed the game. You go back to the, to the, um, to the eighties and even the early nineties, you know, when you had, you had those matchups between the pitchers that you knew they, they, every starter was going to go six innings. It didn't matter how badly they got hit. They would go six innings. Now, if the guy gave up 10 runs in the first two innings, they would pull him out of mercy. But it was like, even if he gave up five runs, he was going to go six innings if his team was going to keep him in the game. you know. And then the shift thing started, and that's where it just kind of it just kind of went from there. And the analytics in football to me, uh, with the with the point, it's it's they they leave so many, they they leave so many points uh on the board. Uh, when they do, when they pull that kind of crap, you know, I'm, I'm a Joe Gibbs guy. Joe Gibbs was, if you're, if you can score, score. So if you score a touchdown, kick the extra point, because how many games came down to a missed extra point? A lot of them. So now that the, now that the extra point has been pushed back a little bit, they, they're getting more of these two point conversions, but still the percentages are pretty high on those field goals. So, um, you know, uh, Yo Carey says Moneyball says numbers matter, right? And they won how many World Series since zero? Zero. What'd you say, bud? I said they won, and they didn't even win the World Series when they did the Moneyball thing. They just that's they right. Just they just game. yeah, they looked good. They looked good. So. Right. Um, all right, guys, listen, we're uh, coming up on about 10 minutes left. Um, let's, let's pull, let's pull the Steelers schedule in real quick, just so we can take a quick, uh, a quick look at it. And your technical director is going to nail it this time. I, I, I promise you. Um, and as I yeah, said, we'll, we'll, there look at, it we'll, look, we'll look at the schedule in more detail next week, but we should just give it a cursory look. Yeah. Yeah. Because really, um, we were talking about this before the show, um, honestly, there's not a whole lot to talk about right now. We don't even know who the starting quarterback is. So, you know, they, they open up in Cincinnati. Um, that's a huge game just because I think that's they, obviously because it's the first game, it's the biggest game of the year, you know, and then they move on to their home opener is against the Patriots. Of course, they hated Patriots. And then we hit the Browns. So three games in 12 days. Um, in Cincy, at home against the Patriots, and then in Cleveland. I mean, that could set the tone for the season, depending upon who the quarterback is. Uh, you know, if Mitch Trubisky is the quarterback and we start 0-3, I see him making a change because the Jets are next, you know. Um, but I think the Jets 
I think the Jets are a um, they're Dude, a trap that, team. That's that, a trap that schedule, game. That schedule has to be wrong. There's no way they play the Patriots on September 18th and then the Browns on the 22nd. Yeah, it's because that's that's it's three games in 12 days, buddy. That's the dumbest thing I've ever seen yep. on any schedule ever. I think that's a that's a Sunday, a Sunday, and a Thursday, isn't it? Yep. <clears throat> Sunday, Sunday, Thursday. By the so, way, yeah. right now, I got to be honest with you guys. I'm locked in on the Steelers Lions rematch in the preseason. <laughs> you, <laughs> August twenty eighth. Mark guaranteed guaranteed to be a tie. It's going to be a tie. Uh, it's yep, going to be a tie. Yep. And Mason you know, Rudolph's going to play the whole game. If, if you look Steve up gets, on uh, if you look up on YouTube, there's a pretty funny video where they did something with the Seattle Seahawks players, and they 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 pulled like six players into a room, and they and they basically had a guy from the NFL get on the phone and tell them their schedule, and it was like completely you know he was saying stuff like, all right, now this is going to be a tough tough part of the schedule here, guys. You're actually going to have three games in ten days. You know, like, and then he told him, "You're playing on, you're playing on Thanksgiving and Christmas." Right. <laughs> they said you're gonna play, you're gonna play a Hall of Fame game in Canton, Ohio. <laughs> they were like believing it for a while, and then by the end, they're like, "Is this is this for real, man? Is this for real?" And then, so and here's then, one uh, point I want to touch on real quick. Uh, DG uh, says Steve gets to see Brady in October during his farewell tour 2.0. Um, what I will tell you is that we have some exciting news that Tampa Bay game. We will be at the game, uh, doing a sports porch broadcast and, uh, more details to follow. So, uh, we're really excited about that. Yeah, uh, so, but that's, that's down the line. We'll have a lot to do, a lot to do and say about that. All right. We got a few minutes left here. We're going to go back to one of our old segments that we haven't done in a while. Last week, we wrapped up our top 10 streaming shows of all time. Uh, someday we'll recap that perhaps, but this week we're going to go right back to what are you watching? Uh, and I'm going to go to Schwaber down in, down in, uh, the land of, uh, fun and sun, Florida. Uh, what are you watching right now, Schwaber? I am watching a show called, are you going to put it up? I did. There it is. Ridley road. Ridley road. Now Ridley road is on what? It's on Masterpiece, which is a PBS channel, um, and it's good. I've totally, it's, I've uh, totally lost all respect for you now. <laughs> it's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's, it's the characters in the story aren't real, but it's a true story as a whole. It's basically about how in the '60s, um, not too long after you know World War II ended, um, that there was another kind of um, you know. Uh, fascist Nazi type movement um, occurring in the, in the streets of London, uh, especially this area called Ridley Road, which is where a lot of Jewish folks in uh, London lived. And uh, it's a story basically about, um, you know, kind of like the, the, the fascist group and, and their formation and what their plans were. And then how this group of uh, Jewish folks who basically uh, sort of acted almost kind of operated as spies to to gather information to you know protect the Jewish people in in London. So it, it's really good. So I've seen three episodes. Uh, I highly recommend it. Is it suspenseful? Oh yeah. Oh, All yeah. right. That's yeah. what matters. All right, yeah. Steve. We're moving on to something that's actually near and dear to my heart. You ready to go there, buddy? Or what, what are you looking at there on the sidelines? I'm ready. I'm, I'm afraid ready. to ask. Steve no, is no. watching. <laughs> Meltdown. Uh -oh. Island, which I know is on Netflix. Yeah, yeah I, I, uh, I saw I saw it and I was like, you know, I live in Pennsylvania. I probably I probably uh, should I probably should watch this because I think I lived through it, but I'm not really sure because I was so young when it happened. Right. And um, sure enough, I did live through it. Um, <laughs> but the, the thing is, like, I was surprised. Like, basically, they take the they take uh, a whistleblower who basically said, hey, these people are doing um, not safe things and trying to clean up the reactor. It wasn't about the accident itself. It was a little bit about the accident itself, but not 
entirely about the accident. It was more about the cleanup and how they were trying to get it done so quickly and they were shortcutting some safety procedures and potentially, I mean, the one thing that I did learn was it could have been like 30 to 45 minutes away from actually exploding, like what happened in Chernobyl and Fukushima. Um, so it actually was closer to a bigger tragedy than it actually was, but it was really interesting that, that one, there was, there was this one bald guy who was a government guy who was basically the guy who was in charge of the cleanup. And he basically said, no, it was never unsafe. And it, you know, it was, it was, it was, we were never going to do things the wrong way while the engineer who was there basically took the opposite stance. So it's, it's a classic, like. Uh, whistleblower against government, um, you know, not, it wasn't really conspiracy, but I think that, I think it was good that they got the story out from the engineer standpoint, because I think he was keeping it in for all these years and just wanted to tell his story. Yeah. I, thought it, I well, thought it was well done. I didn't think it was too one-sided either. I thought it was, I thought it was pretty quote fair and balanced. Um, but um, I thought, I thought it was, I thought it was well done. I think it's only like three or four, uh, three or four episodes of maybe an hour each, something like that. Um, so, so yeah, so your, your perspective, uh, Mr. Klein living about 45 miles away from it. Not, not even that buddy. I was, I was like 15 miles and, and the, the crazy thing about three mile Island was when, when they showed you in this documentary, the, uh, the town of Middleton and then Goldsboro, they showed you that little town square with the statue in the middle I, yeah, I, yeah. I had driven through that so many times. I can't even tell you. There was a little restaurant called Luddy's that was right on the river uh, that had an all-you-can-eat seafood buffet. And my family would go up there. Every Tuesday night, they had all-you-can-eat oysters on the half shell. And um, it, literally, when you sat outside on the porch, you were staring at the stacks at Three Mile Island. Now, that was after the disaster that I went. But when it happened, I'll never forget it because I actually had the police cars and the fire engines driving through our neighborhood with the bullhorns out one day saying, stay in the house, close your windows. The next day saying, everything is okay. Don't right. worry. The next day saying, you better get out of town, you know, and my parents took us down to Washington DC where my, my grandfather, well, Falls Church, Virginia, where my grandparents lived. So we evacuated, but yeah, then you watch the documentary and you realize they were about 30 minutes away from a nuclear explosion that would have obliterated DC, Philly, New York, you know, not, not from a fireball, the radiation would have killed everybody on the East coast. And now, um, so, yeah, I, I thought it was incredible. explains a lot now. It, it now explains what, a lot, just kind of yeah, about the trajectory it, of your life. Oh, certainly without a doubt. I mean, you know, I'm always looking for something to blame. And at the end of the day, if I can't find anything, I just blame Three Mile Island. <laughs> <laughs> we got a comment coming in here. Did those oysters glow? Uh, no, but I don't want to comment on. <laughs> Thanks. No, no comment on glowing oysters. Wow. You know exactly where I was going with that. And I'm not just I'm, I'm just not doing that. OK, oh, so, man. So, so my uh, so, so maybe in the uh, after show. <laughs> yeah, you guys will get the lowdown on that. So I actually, I've actually already finished this. It was one season uh, and it's on Epics, uh, which you can get on Amazon Prime. And it's a show called From. And just the way that guy looks right there and the, and the name of the show, that's what drew me in. But essentially, uh, it's a show that is about a town that people, they, they end up, they may be driving in Oregon or New York or Florida, but they end up at this town, they get lost, and then they try to leave and all roads lead back to this town and they can't figure out why they're stuck there. But at night, these vampire zombie things come out and try to eat everybody. That's a, That happens to me all the time, you know? Does you know it? That sounds yeah, like a it. bad dream that I have reoccurring, actually. Yeah. Schwaber, <laughs> how do you get home? That's If you could help these people get home, I think they'd be eternally grateful. That's the thing. I, I never know. I just, it's like I wake up and I'm in my bed sweating. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, well, good note, guys, uh, I want to thank you all for being here. 
If you're watching the Sports Porch, wherever you're watching it on Facebook, on YouTube, or on Twitter, we really appreciate the fans that we have and the interaction. And uh, we look forward to this show every week. Um, and you will be able to catch this show on iHeartRadio soon. I'll put some announcements uh, about that. I got some new comments here as we're going. Um, actually, I got one. DG, as always, says thanks for the show. Catch you next time. DG, you're probably our, our biggest fan right now, so can't tell you how much we appreciate you being here, man. Uh, I want to thank Neil Schwab for watching tonight. Very special guest in the background. Thank you, Neil. We appreciate you tuning in. Hopefully, um, Mark didn't embarrass you. <laughs> Too much. <laughs> All right, guys, that's it for the Sports Porch. You guys have a great night. We'll catch you next week. All right, good night. Thanks for listening to the Sports Porch on American Buzzker iHeartRadio.